to the next episode for our Cumbria Events Eventing Talks podcast. I'd like to introduce my next guest. If you've been in eventing in the UK at some point over the last 30 odd years, you are highly likely to know Les Smith. He's a BE accredited trainer, an FEI international judge, and has been very successful eventer himself, competing at four star, now five star, representing GB. So Les joins us today to chat about FEI eventing and to bring along some of his wisdom to help us fellow riders out in our preparation for competition. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast. You've had a busy couple of weeks, so please tell our listeners what you've been up to. Well, thanks very much for that very elaborate introduction, Kaz. Uh, the last event I did was last weekend. I was at uh, Aston the Walls. I judged the international pony class. I was there for four days, so I judged other classes along the way, starting with open, intermediate, intermediate, novice, then the ponies. Cool. You also went to badminton as well, didn't you? I was at badminton, but just in a different role with a different hat on. I went as sort of, sort of trainer, uh, assistant for Caroline Powell. Oh, fantastic. Well, no. that's cool. So, um, four days of judging. That's quite a lot. How many horses does, do you normally judge in a day? Well, normally at an international event, you can judge up to 55 in a day. 55 is the maximum you're allowed to judge in a day at an international. But, uh, you know, it's quite a long day, but, you know, it's good fun. And I still think I'm maybe getting a bit long in the tooth, but I still can keep my brain in gear for all that time because it's... I'm used to doing it a lot. I do a lot of judging. Yeah, you do. I mean, I've I've had the pleasure of being judged by you um, a couple of times. Um, let's. I've done advanced once, and you were my judge. Um, I'm never going to do advanced again. I have to say, <laughs> it was too big. Um, but yeah, it's really. I, I. It's the one thing I never really have tried to do is dressage judging. I feel that a. I'm probably not very good at it um, myself anyway. But also, I think. It must be really hard to see the same test. Like, how do you feel? How do you keep engaged in to see 55 horses in a day do exactly the same test over and over again? Like, how, how do you stay inspired? Well, it's much, you know, it's much easier to actually judge the same test all day. When you go to pure dressage competitions, you can judge anything from prelim right up to Prix Saint-Georges or I only judge two pre-Saint-Georges level, but uh, you can judge different classes all day. And that's a nightmare when you do two of this, two of that, and you know, you're judging about 15 different tests in a day and that's much more taxing. Whereas one test, it's fine. You have a st set of standards, you know exactly what you're looking for. You should know, you know, what an eight is and what a one is and, you know, a nine or a 10. So you could use the full range. I can't imagine trying to remember them all and actually it's that moment of when I've helped to write um, before it's when that moment when the rider goes wrong as well there's that split second where you're like oh they've gone wrong and then you have to like beat the horn and tell them because there's that moment of panic with actually have they gone wrong oh my goodness yes they have and then you <laughs> beat the horn before they get onto the next movement that's no 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 it, it, you know it can be you're thinking oh they're wrong and and uh you know, you have to think, now are they going wrong or are they just deviating and they're making a late turn or something like that? So you have to give them a minute or two to check that they are going wrong before he stops them. 
And then as for listeners who have never maybe done a lot of dressage before, that's one of the things that makes you have a sheer mind blank or absolute terror is when you're halfway through a test that you think you've learned and then you've gone wrong. So what kind of, what do you tell riders when they go wrong in a test and how do you restart them again? Well, you know, if you say that, you know, you've gone wrong and you say, now you know where you're going next and you maybe give them, you know, next couple of movements or something, but quite often, uh, when you judge the the more experienced riders, they're usually, okay, that's fine, they know I've gone wrong, and they pick it up and they don't even ask. But, you know, I would always like to give somebody the benefit of the doubt and sort of give them the idea that, uh, okay, make sure you know where you're going, because, you know, on three mistakes, you're blown out, and everything's far too expensive to only get to halfway through your dressage test. Oh, can you imagine? I mean, I I have never, well, thankfully, I've never been in a position where I've been eliminated <laughs> in dressage, but I went through an entire season forgetting the first halt on the centre line. That was my, that was my, like, big thing that I had as a mental blank was actually that halt and then going, oh, oh my goodness, and then going, I've got this whole test ahead of me and I've got to remember all the movements. Um, and my very first international dressage I ever did was at Floors, I did the two star, now two star with Classy, and I went wrong in the dressage. And I'd, 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 at that point, had never gone wrong in dressage before. And I had this massive, big, like psychological thing of being at an international. My first one, I was wearing a tailcoat that was too big for me because I just wanted to wear a tailcoat and my friend had lent me it. And then I went wrong in the test and I had this like sheer terror of going, oh, oh my God, what do I do now? What if I've gone wrong? And then trying to remember the rest of the test. So. Um, if anyone goes wrong in a test, I, I can sympathise, but going wrong three times would be, oh, just heartbreaking. It Sorry. is very much, you know, and, uh, but, you know, you would like to try and make sure that they don't go wrong three times. And, you know, you like to get errors for going in the wrong markers and that, and that type of thing. So you maybe, you maybe do not get the bell rung for that, but they don't get you eliminated. You know, that's just errors of test. You know, like if you go, say, to the funny marker, I don't, you know, the letters as such, I always learn tests by the pattern. And, you know, I went quarter marker, funny marker, half marker. And if they go from the quarter marker, say, as opposed to the funny marker, which is S or R or one of these ones, but, you know, you maybe wouldn't ring the bell because that would interrupt the flow, but you're getting an error, but that's an error of course rather than an error of test. So you yeah. still get two penalties, but uh, you wouldn't necessarily have the bell rung for that. That's like an accuracy fault, isn't it? Yeah, really? yeah. Rather than, um, uh, you know, dressage is like my worst phase of all of the things. I feel like I'm comfortable as a jumping rider, but for dressage, it's the, the one thing I struggle with. And um, for me, my instructor always said to me, um, actually, you just need to be much more accurate. So one thing a rider can do is be accurate because otherwise you just throw marks away. Um, and I've done exactly that when I've been coming across the diagonal and gone half marker, funny marker, I mean, I don't call them that, but I don't call them the letters either. I just go, I just go corner, quarter, half. That's what I do. So I'm kind of similar. <laughs> I come along and I've gone, I can't remember if it's the half or the quarter. 
so I'll just ride between the two and then I'm okay <laughs> so then I expect to get on my test something like early to mark or late you know so I the reason we're chatting actually about international dressage is because um one of the things that's happening is Warwick Hall which is obviously part of Cumbria events is running their first one star ever um so that's the first time they'll have a 20 by 60 dressage arena and the first time that maybe quite a lot of the local riders will be competing there so as a FEI international judge what kind of advice would you give riders who have maybe never done international before and also just riders in general like um advice about dressage well I think a lot of the time, the riders think long arena, oh, very confusing. And you know, the extra letters, the funny ones, as I like to call them, really confuse them. But in general, it's easier for the horses to ride in a big arena. And it's easier to keep the flow. And it's quite a flowing test, albeit it does have leg yield in it, the one star test. And so I'm quite excited about going to judge one star. I've only judged two in my life before, and both have been in India. So it'll be quite interesting to, I'm hoping the standard is much better in this country than it was in India. And you don't have to do sitting trot in a one star, do you? In the one star, there's only designated areas of the test where you do have to do sitting trot. But in general, you can do rising trot unless it specifically says on the test where you have to do sitting. What is the most common like fault that riders do throw away in a test? Like what what kind of things that you generally see repeatedly done with the majority of the riders in a test when you're judging? The biggest problem usually is a lack of preparation for the next movement. They wing it on thinking, let's get on with this and get out of here as quickly as possible. But if you think about it, if you're wanting to ride your round of show jumps, you're thinking of it pretty much the same. That you're going round, you're preparing, making sure you're straight for your fences and keeping in the rhythm. So basically dress as you just got exactly the same. Because it's all tied in and the better they are in the flat work, usually the better they'll jump. Doesn't always work, uh, you know, because some horses don't like jumping that much, but usually they don't go eventing. But you know, it's only basic training at that level. It's only walk, trot and canter. Yeah. And actually, I, one thing I realized when I started to pay more attention to dressage, because um, when I joined eventing, which was, you know, o over a decade ago, um, with many events that no longer exist, I have to say, uh, there's lots of venues that don't, don't feature anymore, but I remember um, not really being bothered about the dressage. As you say, I just kind of wanted to get through it as fast as possible. <laughs> so didn't get the best scores. Um, but then when I started paying more attention to it, although I'm still a long way off being as good as I would like to be, um, I noticed when I watched top level dressage, like the likes of Carl Hester and Charlotte Dujardin, when you watch them ride a corner, it isn't actually a corner they ride, it's a 90 degree turn. They literally go in and turn, they ride a square almost. They use their corners phenomenally well. Um, and I've been very aware of that because actually riding a corner well in a dressage test means that you have an extra stride or two to collect ready for the next movement. Yeah. Well, if you're going to go across from the quarter marker, if you don't ride your corner, if you just swing round in a 20 meter circle, you've actually missed the quarter marker. So you've now instantly lost the accuracy. 
Yeah, they throw that accuracy mark away. Because if you ride a 20 meter circle at sea, you need to touch the track a meter and a half past the quarter marker. So you're beyond the, the, the diagonal line, so you're just going across the diagonal, you know, and it's the long diagonal, and it's a long, long way along across the long diagonal in a 60 by 20 arena. It, it is. I've done medium trot across that in sitting, and I can tell you it's a long way. Yeah. It's not a very bouncy horse. <laughs> sitting is not my forte. Oh, this is really interesting. So, what about um, your like positioning as a judge in the international? Because there's a more, there's two judges, isn't there? So there's, there's two judges. Yeah, I'm judging with Anne Marie Taylor. They've actually got two fairly high power judges uh, for a one star uh, at Warwick Hall. Uh, because we're both on level three and I mean I would presume Anne-Marie Taylor will try to get to level four the new one I'm not going to bother because I'm too old for that but Anne-Marie's you know young and pretty much up and coming but you know very experienced judge she's judged at badminton Ooh, cool how um, amazing and so you know they've got two judges that have judged at five star level wow that's amazing <laughs> That's cool. So where will you be? Where will you be seated? Are you the head judge? I, I, I'm the president of the ground jury, so I'll be positioned at C, and Anne Marie, Marie will be either positioned at B or E, because that's how we're positioned at internationals. And if there's a third judge, not that there's three at Warwick Hall, but if there is a third judge, the president sits at C. One sets it E or B, another sets it M or H on the short side. But they're called M or H. But it's if you know it's the opposite side to C. So like uh, you've got a judge on the right on the short end, and on your left the president at C on the long side just to see different aspects of the arena and everybody sees different things. When you're judging at the side, at E or B, you're much more liable to see how uphill the horse is and, and the outline. Whereas the judge at, judges on the short end are probably much tougher on the straightness. Yeah. I agree with, I think that's, well, I, that is true. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's true. No, you're right. <laughs> you're true. But um, I know that myself because I've spent a lot of time trying to improve my dressage with the entire focus of the judge being at sea. So thinking about like where the judge is and what position I'm in and that kind of stuff. Uh, but actually, whenever you have the judge at E, they always see something very different. So you do sometimes get very varying scores because the judge at E will see something different as the judge at yeah. C. But actually, I've always found the, fe the the feedback to be very fair. So I think it is more of a case of not really thinking about what the judge at E is going to be watching and whether or not I look a bit hollow and I'm at the far end yeah. of the arena so the judge at C can't see that, but the yeah. judge at E can. Um, so yeah. And there's but the ju judge at E or B, if you have, say, a circle at E or B, they can tell exactly if it's a circle and not an egg shape. You know, so they're tougher on that type of thing, whereas the judge at C, you know, can probably suspect, but he can't mark down something if you only sus suspect it's not quite right. Uh, he must only mark 
according to what you can guarantee to see. Okay, cool. And then um, actually just talk to so the thing that happened to me when I first went eventing was that one of the girls that was ahead of me in my class turned up to dressage warm up wearing a double bridle and they were doing two star which is not allowed at two star um but was the old one star um but for international one star you're not allowed a double bridle so one of the things to mention to anyone listening is that you can only do your dressage in a snaffle um is there anything else that's worth mentioning that riders should be aware of that's maybe different well it, i mean you can't do you can't do a b105 in the in anything other than snaffle either but is there anything that is a bit different to fei dressage that's normal that's yes there is uh one of the main things is you cannot r ride around the arena carrying a whip oh that's a good information to pass on i didn't know that yeah and uh you know you cannot enter the you know the the arena should be marked off, should be fenced off, you know, or thing, and you cannot enter that area carrying a whip. And actually, um, that's one thing is there's also the entire arena is usually connected, isn't it? So you can't leave without leaving at A. You have to enter at A, don't you? That's yeah, still yeah, it has to be, it should be a fully enclosed arena, not necessarily enclosed at A. You don't have to have a board put in nowadays. You used to have, but you do not now. But uh, if you go over the boards, uh, you're eliminated. Which must be awful for anyone who has a horse that likes to jump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so actually the whip thing, that must you must be allowed to warm up around the outside of the arena. And I don't carry a whip, but in normal BE, you can trot around the arena and then you drop it before you enter at A. Yeah, yeah. But at FEI, not allowed. No, no, you get two penalties if you do it. And I actually, you know, one of the pony riders at the weekend, the steward told him on the way in, and he said, No, I carry it around the arena. And of course, the old Hawkeye here saw him and went, Two penalties. So, you know, and you have a radio to your judge not to discuss marks, but to bring up things like that or errors to discuss. That was an error because. You know, say somebody turns at the wrong marker and it's at the far end of the arena, I usually check with the side judge to say, now that was at the wrong marker, that transition or that turn, was it? You know, just to be absolutely sure to give them an error. So that's an error. So I radioed my co-judge to say, this one's carrying a whip, so that's minus two penalties. Yeah, I think that seems fair that that's the kind of um, collaboration that you do as judges. Um, because then it, then both of you are there, like able to see what, see it. So like if they have, if the horse is trotting with the judge and they, you can't see the whip because they happen to be on the wrong side, they're carrying yeah. it on the way from the judge. You have seen it, therefore you've you've confirmed that they are carrying a whip. Otherwise, that other judge might say they didn't, and then you said they did, and then there's a whole heap of like trying yeah. to demonstrate. Well, that. confusing for the scorers. Absolutely, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so actually, I think we've probably chatted quite a lot about dressage. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the old events um, because 
One of the things that I loved when I moved to Scotland from Cumbria was that I joined in your arena eventing that you did in Scotland, which was incredibly popular because the one thing those eventers miss over winter is that there isn't anything that we can do. And you used to build some amazing arena eventing courses in Scotland. And my, so my question to you is, are you current, are you continuing with those this winter? Uh, funnily enough, you're the second person that's asked me that this year. No, I don't think so. Because basically, everybody started to run, you know, arena events, you know, in their schools. And the last year I ran them, they were hardly covering their costs. Oh, boo. That's you a know, shame. Because, you know, I didn't get as many entries as what I initially used to. I mean, I used to have 250 on a day. Oh, I remember. And you were always... They you went always... from 8 o'clock in the morning till 8 at night. And, you know, just... But I think we... Lots of venues running running them, you know, it, it just didn't become viable. So I remember that, like, you used to build some great courses. Like, you used to put a bounce in and a corner and proper, like, things that you get in eventing that you don't get in a show jumping course. And I, I think the riders, I mean, I certainly loved coming to them. So um, I'm sad that they're not running anymore, but I also appreciate that venues are running their own so I can see why you're not doing it. Um, but also I'm quite sad that actually under, like there are lots of BE events that we've missed, we've lost over the years um, from just, just for various reasons, whatever they are, whether the landowners decided to change the land plan or financially it wasn't viable, but from all the old events, I'm going to throw this at you just um, towards the end of our podcast now, but um, if you could bring back one or two of events that don't exist anymore, which ones would you bring and why? Thirlson would have to be the one that everybody wanted to come back. It was a fabulous event. You know, that was just a change in circumstances. You know, they had a very unfortunate incident one year and I think, you know, the owners just found that quite difficult and then the weather was against them in the next two years so and I think the younger family is no longer interested in it so you know that was sad but you know it was a fabulous venue and I think in general just you know over the years I mean I've been involved with this sport for way over 40 years and you know everything runs its course yeah. uh, and you know events come and go pretty much anyway and I think it's just natural wastage you know whether you know families lose interest you know because usually the venues the families at some point have been sort of interested in eventing and then maybe the next generation or two generations later they move on so I think that's why we lose them and uh, I'm not going down the route that I think bees in a bloody muddle at the minute but <laughs> Yeah, I think um, there's a few years of that. There's a few years of that turn, I think, to come of BE trying to find a, its new path. I think is probably the best way to describe it, isn't it? Of trying to well, I think financially, you know, to make venues viable and that. And I know that everybody cries out in Scotland to get more, you know, more intermediates, more that. But you know, how can venues afford to run intermediates for three or four people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, the cost of everything, the cost of timber, 
labor, everything like that has gone up incredibly. So, I mean, you know, and, and plus this social license, our sport's in a very, very dodgy way, place at the moment. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, as I mean, I've been fortunate that I've ridden once at Advanced, brush over that, uh, but I've ridden a few times at Intermediate and been fortunate to ride at Two Star. And I've got a horse now, I hope maybe to go back to Intermediate and do Three Star with him if I can. Um, but also the, the thing that I, I'm very aware of and I'm very passionate about is supporting the grassroots community because actually I think that is that's where the support sport will stay alive if we do things the right way and if we promote things the correct way and and I don't think I don't think as you say for some venues it's financially viable to run an intermediate when you mm. get 10 entries compared to running three full sections of B80 you know, that's where the sport is. Um, well, exactly. And this is why I think that it's great that Douglas is putting on uh, this international at Warwick Hall because that gives people who actually probably never aspire to riding at novice level even, you know, at 110, but, you know, uh, cross country, but there, you know, gives them the opportunity to ride internationally and then they can see their international adventures you know, but they do have to jump 110 in the show jumping at a one star. Yes. But you know, uh, but, but it's just around a 105 course on the cross country. Yeah, so I think it's doable and but it's also that challenge that actually it's a it's a it's a level that is achievable for many riders to get to. And I think it's a fantastic I think it was fantastic that FEI brought it in. I never really understood what they were going to do with the levels because we obviously had the one star, and then they brought in then they brought in the new one star and changed everything yeah. up. Um, but I think that it's a great idea. And at the time, I know there was a lot of there was a lot of um, there was a lot of people who just didn't like change and they just didn't want this new one star and they thought it was a bad thing. Um, but actually you know it supports people and it gives that opportunity for riders to jump at that level and they still have to be able to perform a good dressage test and they still have to be able to jump 110 as you say which is a challenge um but actually i think i think it's a fantastic level to have brought in and i'm really pleased that be have allowed and fei have allowed more of them to exist in the uk well the the really you know it was brought in mainly for the lesser nations mm -hmm. because the majority of their events are all international in a lot of other countries whereas this country and i know and i was on the board at the time that they were dead against bringing in one star uh, so there was two of us fought quite tooth and nail to get one stars brought into this country but british eventing did not want to bring it in they thought they were slightly above that uh, and the trouble is, problem with the one star, it doesn't actually qualify you for the next level. It'll qualify you to go to novice, but it doesn't qualify you to go to one star. So it's not actually a qualification, which is a bit of a shame. Do you not think that will happen over time though? Like now, at the moment it's not, but give it a couple of years and FEI will change that qualification criteria. Um, once things have embedded, that's the kind of thing what happens, isn't it? They put something in and then allow yeah. time to progress. Well, it, it may do. Hopefully but, it will. Uh, 
but you know it does qualify for the next level and it you know it is actually a stepping stone because you know it's not far off novice so maybe the people will think okay we've managed that we can maybe aspire to a novice now so hopefully you yeah, know they can cool. use it as a stepping stone anyway yeah and I, I can't wait for warwick to run i think warwick's a fantastic venue for, I've always thought Warwick's a really nice venue, but I think it's a fantastic venue for the one star as well. I can't wait to run I've on it. I've never been. Have you not? Oh, well, you'll no, love it. I've never been. I think the last time I judged for Douglas at an international, it was bloody rained off. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> I, well it is the Lake District, so let's hope that's not going to happen again. So I'm hoping for better weather, but the way everything's going, you wouldn't know. But, uh, you know, it's nice with us at the minute, so. It is, and I shall do an anti-rain dance um, all, from now until Warwick to try and hope that we don't actually get bad weather. But um, So thank you for coming on. Uh, so actually, uh, we're running out of time for the podcast now, so um, I'm going to wrap it up, if that's okay. Um, and just say that sadly it brings us to the end of the episode. I just want to say a huge thank you for coming on. Um, and I hope that our listeners have found it really useful and that they have a few pointers to go away and things to think about in preparing themselves for the one star or actually any dressage really, you know, ride your corners, don't carry a whip outside the arena. Lots of handy, helpful hints. Um, but as a final thing, just uh, as a, a last finishing remark, is there anything else you want to add that is a handy hint to riders at any level doing BE, BE FEI or BD? Is there anything else you would like to pass on as just work, pearls of wisdom from Liz Smith? Well, if you come down that centre line to begin with on your entry, look to the judge straight in the eye and say, don't you dare give me anything lower than a nine. So you'll ride a straight line. Ride as if we're going to run you over. Yeah. Okay. Turn in the corner the correct way. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant advice. Thank you so much for coming on. And I definitely do owe you a coffee or a hot chocolate or something. Or something stronger, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed when we're judging. <laughs> oh, in the evening. We'll do it in the evening after judging has finished. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So thank you for listening to my um, listeners. Um, head over to the Cumbria events page to find out more about what's happening this season. There is much planned. And for anyone wanting to come to Warwick Hall's One Star, the entries are currently open. Get your entry in soon. Um, I'm not sure when the closing date is. I'll have to check, but you can check that on the BE website. So thank you very much for listening and I shall catch you soon. Yeah.